0: oh my gosh i am talking to my new guest here and we are just laughing because just funny things that come up but my guest today on my episode with spilt me jenny d and thank you for joining me today is a local dad he's a husband cancer survivor and an employee say it matthew
1: benefits specialist
0: oh, okay, that's so fancy. (laughs) (laughs) So Matthew is, um, he's a cancer survivor, and when I talked to him and I learned about his story, I thought, we really need to talk about this because men and women need to know what you went through in such an early age. How old were you when you found out you had cancer?
1: I was 29.
0: 29 years old. Tell us what kind of cancer you had.
1: So it was actually um, colon cancer that spread to my liver. So it was stage four colon cancer.
0: So, okay. So take us back to that day.
1: Sure. So I, like I said, I was 29 years old and I had no idea I had this in my body. Um, If it wasn't for me playing hockey... Mm-hmm. I found out from playing hockey that I was getting out of breath pretty quickly, to the point where I'd go out on the rink and I would skate for about a good ten to twelve seconds. I had to hurry up and turn back around because I was that out of breath. Jeez. And people were thinking, "There's, there's got to be something wrong with this guy," you, you know, from from that perspective. So I started, you know, looking into different things as to what it might be. I have asthma. Is it an an asthmatic kind of thing? And it was not. So fast forward, what ended up happening was um, I went to the doctor and they did a few blood tests and things like that. And they they found out that my hemoglobin level, which to the point from a a male, I actually had about a quarter of the amount of blood in my system. They said, well, how would you lose your blood? And I said, I had no idea.
0: Wait a minute. How, <laughs> I, that doesn't make sense. What do you mean? You, like, lost your, like,
1: blood? So I had the, the amount of blood that was in my system. The hemoglobin level was a quarter of the amount. What's it supposed to be at? Do you know? I think it was supposed to be... I, I don't know what the numbers were, but I remember it being... A, uh, my number was at a seven. And I think the, the amount should be closer to a 20. Don't quote me on that. Okay. Uh, but I remember it being significantly lower than what it should be. Um, they said, well, did you have an injury? Did, did you... You know did did, uh, did did you lose blood from 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 whatever? And I right. said I don't, I had no did idea. Did you have
0: like nosebleeds a lot or anything? No, because hockey's pretty
1: exactly and that's, aggressive. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and that's the very first thing that they thought was yeah. because of my my um, my ability to go out there and play hockey that they that you know that I could get an injury from something, and that was not the case. Right. So um, they did a colonoscopy, and that's where they found that I had, I had colon cancer uh, at the age of twenty nine. Okay, so, so
0: to, you're in the room you're getting like why would they prescribe that because of your levels
1: right so they did an endoscopy first they found nothing which is a you know sticking a a scope your throat. i've had that done right and there's really nothing to it (laughs) you're (laughs) sleeping and uh and you know i've heard back in like the early 80s and 90s and things like that getting colonoscopy was was no fun either but it's you really there's really nothing to that as well it's just a day before prep work but right uh, and
0: 29 years old man you're not thinking like i gotta go get a (laughs) <laughs> colonoscopy.
1: <laughs> right. I just lost my train of thought. You're 100% right. It was one of those things where it was a little scary, right, because you think old people get that done. And I was 29 at the time, right? I'm right. no, 42 now. So what was interesting about that was, and get, getting to what you're alluding to, is uh, whenever I got the colonoscopy, you're put out. You know, It's almost like you're in a surgery. You're completely put out. You're on right. anesthesia. Right. You're, you're put to sleep. And I'll never forget waking up and... And, uh, and I'm in the room, and I'm kind like, of like, kind of dazed. I don't know where I was at one point because I was in a different room where I was before. And then uh, oh and I God. see this doctor come approach me very fast, and what does he say? Mr. Bricker, I'm really sorry, but you have cancer. Oh. And then he walked away. Okay,
0: wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not the words you want to hear, and you're like half kind of out of it, and you're thinking, did I just dream that? Is this for real?
1: And that's the very first thing I thought about. I thought it was a dream.
0: Were you by yourself?
1: I was by myself in the room, and then I saw my wife in the corner of the room, and her face was a complete mess, oh, as you would imagine.
0: I can't even imagine.
1: Mascara everywhere, the whole nine yards. Oh, right? I yeah. can laugh about it now because it's... Uh, right. You can laugh
0: years. about it now, but just <laughs> being in that place where you both were and not knowing the unknown, like, what do you mean? Like, this is not supposed to happen to me. Is it hereditary, or is it anything that... I mean, that was aggressive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be hereditary. And one really interesting thing is my father passed away from lung cancer. And lung cancer and colon cancer are two totally separate things. It's right. not even not even any similarity, even though they're, they're both cancers, but they're two totally separate things that, that are unrelated. So there, there could be some genetics that are involved with it, and that's why I'm in the process of doing genetic testing for my, my children. And what's really interesting about that is some insurance companies don't accept it, and some do. And I'm in the process of trying to figure out what they accept, The genetic testing because it is pretty expensive.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, come on, this is important. This is your life. This is your, you know, your children and their future, and you have to know. This has, I guess, a type of gene. I know there's other cancers, and I think there's the uh, breast cancer that actually Angelina Jolie got tested for the, um, can't think of what it's called, the Baraka gene or whatever, and she found out that, you know, one of the kids could have it. So those are things that I think are important. So as you left the doctors, you and your wife, what was the first thing you did?
1: So after the colonoscopy, um, I was in, I called Nancy Kerrigan mode, where why me? <laughs> why is this happening to me, right? Like I said, we can joke about it. I know, of
0: all it. people, Nancy. Um, so I
1: was, I was thinking, you know, why me? Oh, wait. Why is if happening you don't
0: know, me? listeners, Nancy Kerrigan <laughs> was the ice skater. Okay, what happened to her, match? She,
1: she got hit by a club by another by another figure skater's bodyguard, a competitive <laughs> figure skater's bodyguard. So I remember. This that. is back in the early 90s, right? Such a show my this. age, right? So, hey,
0: um, that was my time, too. <laughs> they, wait, they came on the news and it was like they were actually going to. Kind of sure. But anyway, that was that definitely was a, a weird time. So yes. you felt like.
1: So I felt like I was her. I felt like I was a victim and I felt like I was an individual that, you know, why God wise is this happening to me. Right. right. And it was the same day. It was sometime in the evening. We were in the car together. My wife was driving. And I go, you know what? This is the, this is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to fight this thing and we are going to do everything we can to make sure that everybody knows that this thing can be beats because because this is something that needs to be curated and shared with other to other people right. i had in my mind this is gonna i'm gonna be a winner and i'm gonna tell everybody all about it i just had it in the back wow. of my mind. wow
0: that is that attitude that you had i wish more people could have it it's hard to say how everybody else feels but i mean that's a great attitude did you have kids then?
1: I did not. Uh, this yeah. was pre-kids, so it made it a little bit easier for me to to get through it because I did have kids. Because um, there's, let's face it, there's a lot of people that go through what I had to go through that have kids and imagine you know juggling that and juggling other different things that are happening in their lives with their with their jobs and things right. like that. Because it's
0: the unknown.
1: Exactly. So it was very it was very nice not to have that and be able to beat this this cancer and then have kids after. I was very fortunate with that.
0: Right. So tell us about the process. What did you do first?
1: So, um, so after the colonoscopy, it, at that point I was in Cannonsburg Hospital and that was a different healthcare system and I was very fortunate to have a cousin that was a, a lead anesthesiologist in UPMC health system. So I had a conversation with him and he said you need to get into UPMC. They have their world renowned. They have all the top doctors, all the right anesthesia, all the top anesthesiologists, all the top surgeons and you need to have a conversation and interview those and I can, I can can you know lead the way and and have conversations with those individuals. So by by him being the focal point right. to be able to set up those meetings was very very important in my recovery because I need to have needed to have somebody that was there that knew exactly what they're doing and walk me through the next steps. The
0: experts, right?
1: Absolutely. Let's face it. We all have we all do, we all need a little bit to be dangerous when we when it comes to googling and you get a little scary sometimes when you google yeah. about stuff like this. That's why it's very important Especially through my journey, the very first thing that they told me is turn the computer off, turn the smartphone off. Actually, smartphones were really that were kind of popular back then. It was just
0: 2010.
1: (laughs) Um, That's like the BlackBerry stage. That was before you know that was right when the iPhone came up. Right,
0: the flip phone. Right, exactly. (laughs) So
1: it was one of those type of things that is very important not to Google things, Right. right? Because I had a very specific type of colon cancer. My colon cancer was. Um, significantly different than like any other colon cancers that were out there because it was it was stage four because oh, really? it got spread to different areas right oh so okay. I, ca- I I caught it early like the earlier part of stage four right but if I didn't go into the doctor at that time it could have spread all over I would have been you know, oh been,
0: my god much worse
1: for sure um,
0: so it was in your liver
1: it was about, it was in two different parts of my liver wow. and so because of that the doctors elected me to go on to chemotherapy first and then have a surgery second. Okay. Yeah.
0: So when you talk to the experts down at UPMC? Yes. What did they suggest?
1: So I did the chemotherapy first, and they wanted me to do about about twenty two rounds. Actually, right at twenty two rounds of chemotherapy, and then do the surgery. And they want what they want to do is gain control of, of the cancer that was in my body and shrink it, or for that for the procedure to go well, right? To go as planned. So I got I had a, a huge bump on the road. It was about. A month and a half after, uh, it was after my second treatment of chemotherapy, I had a blockage, and I had to get taken to the emergency room because I had I had a block in my colon.
0: How did you know? It
1: it was completely sore inside my body, and I was I just had like a huge huge pain in there. Um, And so they did a an X ray, and they saw that's what was was causing the blockage was the tumor that was in my colon. Ah. So from there. I, I sat in the hospital for about a couple of days, and then they performed the surgery. And it was essentially three surgeries in one. It was kind of like an emergency surgery, but not really because I waited two days. Right. Um, but they knew exactly what to do. So what they ended up doing was um, they cut off. It's it's essentially your large intestine, the part of the part of the large intestine that had that had the tumor in it. They, resect, they cut them complete, completely off, threw it all away, made sure all, there was no cancer cells there, and they actually put the large intestine back together.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, so
1: it was almost like a big, giant tube. They're cutting off a portion of the tube that was bad, threw it out, and then put
0: it back together. Oh, my god! The way you say it and describe <laughs> it. But wait, Matt, you have to tell the listeners. You documented your whole exper- well, experience, but your whole process of what you went through.
1: Yeah, so I, I made a recording. Um, it was either it was either that day or the following day on how I was going to beat cancer. So I have it. I have it online. It's on you, my YouTube page, and it's it's me essentially talking about the seven steps of beating cancer. And I did all seven of those steps, and to not bore the listeners with all the details of all the seven steps. Um, you can just just watch it on, online.
0: How did and they get to it? On
1: it's uh, if they go on a, on a YouTube and and just. And just type in seven steps of beating cancer, um, and you can also type in my name, Matthew Bricker. That it should pop up.
0: Okay. Perfect. And then we
1: could put in a description on here. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Sure. Definitely. Um, and so essentially, I, I did that, and I added a couple of clips. You know, while I was doing chemotherapy and things like that, I did not upload those yet. But that was a the seven steps was was the the focal point on how I was going to beat it.
0: Okay, that's wonderful, and you know because anybody out there that didn't see this or know about this, this could really help a loved one that's going through something like this.
1: Absolutely. And that's why it's important for us to talk about it because even though it's such a negative experience, I feel like it's very powerful knowledge for that. I think a lot of individuals can take that information and apply it to their, most of it, apply it to their lives, not everything, because everybody's different.
0: Right. That's true. Everybody's cancer journey is different. Sure. So tell us now about, so then you you went through surgery, they took your The bad stuff out, put your intestines back together, and then was everything good, or was... Well, then
1: then there was two other surgeries that happened after that, Um, so what they had to do was they had to take the liver, there was two different spots on my liver, they had to cut one part off of it, and that would would regenerate, and the second part was right next to a a main artery, they had to take a a burning pen, essentially, it's called ablation, and they burned it off, so they had to do all three of those things all at the same time while I was opened up.
0: What was the recovery... How long did
1: that last? About two weeks in the hospital, and it was a mess. Yeah, I can only imagine. (laughs) It was a mess. Um, And I finally got out of there. I actually lost about... Twenty to twenty-five pounds. Um, so it's nice. It was nice, uh, you know, weight loss <laughs> supplement there, which was nice. I
0: know because uh, you could not need anything, right? Like you just didn't have an appetite. Yeah,
1: there was. Well, you, you weren't allowed to eat. It was one of those type of things where I had to recover and not eat. It was a liquid diet, and, I, and I'll never forget the very first time I was able to take a sip of water because my mouth was always so dry the whole entire time and things like that. But, but yeah, it was it was a tough recovery. But then after that, I actually had um, I think it was like eighteen or nineteen more rounds of chemotherapy after that. And then the very last chemotherapy, I actually did a trip to, uh, to put in bay with my friends.
0: That's, oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. So, but, okay. So you, you got it in, what month was that?
1: Uh, I was diagnosed with it in January of 2010.
0: Okay. So January 2010. Yep. And then you, all, with all the surgeries and the chemo, how long did that last?
1: Uh, it was mid-August is when I was finished so you
0: were saying about eight months correct okay
1: correct and then my surgery was on March 2nd okay it was actually two days after Team USA and Team Canada played against each other in gold medal games look
0: game. how you remember yeah. that yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember everything. not remember
1: my, my long term memory <laughs> on this stuff is, is just like spot on
0: especially when it's sports <laughs> right. right oh yeah exactly <laughs> the
1: big hockey guy too right so oh yeah I had to throw oh, that yeah. out there
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you did that before you went on your trip did they say oh everything looks good I mean what did they say to you
1: Good question. So that was that was another <laughs> major issue that happened there. So it was Thursday uh, before I was supposed to leave. The very next day to go to Putin Bay, they they uh, that they were supposed to read my results of my last pet scan, or it was a cat scan, uh, CT scan. So they uh, they sat me down and they're like, "Just want to let you know, uh, Mr. Bricker, but um, uh, your cancer's back and oh it's bigger than it was gosh. before." <laughs> So, uh, no. yeah, and uh, and we're like, my wife and I are looking at each other. Are they looking at the wrong like form or what, what's going on here? Like, we just, obviously weren't smiling. We were just like, my heart just dropped. Right?
0: Yes, right.
1: Um, so that happened, and and my anesthesiologist, or not my anesthesiologist, my uh, my oncologist was very very upbeat whenever that all happened. And I'm like, why is this guy so upbeat? Because it's because it's his job. That's what he does all the time. Right. He tells people this all the time, right? So right. And I'm thinking, what is going on? So we're driving home. No music's on the, in the car. Dead silent. We, uh, we're still finishing up packing. We're like, should we still go to this trip? I told all my friends. We were actually, we all piled up into a car. And, and it was kind of, we, we were able to like somewhat have a decent trip. And then we were driving home back from Putin bay which is about three-hour drive, three-and-a-half-hour drive. And my wife and I were talking to each other. We're like, did this really... I don't think this is really happening. Uh, this is... This doesn't seem right. So it was not right. I got a phone call on Monday, right?
0: Wait, this is after
1: your trip? This is after my trip on the Monday when I came back, right? The very next day. The very next work day, right? Oh, no. So they get a phone call. Mr. Brookery, uh, let's go ahead and do a PET scan. Let's be 100% sure that uh, everything is, is okay. This is where they put... Uh, they do a different type of scan to make sure that everything's okay By they, they, they put this some sort of um, what's it called some sort of dye that's what it is dye oh okay they put dye on your body and make sure that uh, everything lights up okay and if it lights up it's bad if it doesn't light up it means there's, there's nothing there and about three days later, I get a phone call saying, Mr. Brickery, at got your PET scan results. I put it on speaker with my wife. Uh, we made a mistake. Uh, it was just a hole from your ablation, which is that burning sensation like I told you oh about before. Oh, my gosh,
0: Matt. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: So this is the reason why I bring this up, Jenny. It's very important. Even though doctors are the subject matter experts, and they do a great job, and this right. is what they do for a living.
0: And Pittsburgh is known for... For, for having hospital. yes, yes.
1: doctors, and, and I told you this before. There is was, there was people from Alabama that were sitting next to me in the waiting room whenever I got diagnosed because they flew all the way up here for them to get you know treatments or, or care whatever care they were getting. They dis- right. disclose everything. But people come from all over the country, all over the world to come to UPMC for that. Absolutely. Um, so I came. So I'm here for a reason, right? So, right. It's, but it's very very important to make sure you follow up on certain things. And I'll give you another example. Yeah. Before my surgery but on March second. Uh, the day before, the assistant surgeon that was, I think he was still in, in med school, um, he said something about the type of treatment that I was getting on chemotherapy that I had to have a, a uh, colectomy bag. After my surgery, because of of the particular type of of drug that I was taking, my wife says, I don't think you took that drug. Let me double check. And she looked at her files, looked around. She goes, I don't see this drug that he's talking about. So make a long story short, she was able to talk to the doctors and, and let them know that he did not, that I did not take this drug. And because of her checking up on it. It allowed me not to wear it back, and I was I was good to go after that. Which, I, I, as you know, well, comes thank, thank a big, God big issue.
0: Right. that you are doing the research because what I'm really—me,
1: Not me, I, my wife did it. Right, your, your <laughs> wife. Yeah, let's give her credit. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much.
0: And you know, I would have been doing the same thing because you know sometimes you have to be that person who's researching and finding out everything because you get so involved in it and you learn so much about the cancer that you have that you're like, okay, let's look into this. Let's really get focused on this. But my biggest question is you went on a vacation with your friends. They told you that it came back. And I'm sure your state of mind and the way you were feeling on vacation was like a little like unsettled because you you keep thinking of it in the back of your head. That, to me, is just, you can't take those days back. And it makes me very hurtful that that happened to you.
1: Yeah, it was. And I still had a good time. Right. Um, it could have been a lot better, obviously. Yeah. But everything happens for a reason. Who knows? I could have went ballistic and could have hurt myself falling off a balcony or something like that, doing something stupid. Now, who knows? Right. Who, <laughs> who right. knows what, it, what It's happened. true. So... Um, it was It was definitely a good time. Uh, but at the same time, I still do think people still need to take vacations with their friends or or with their loved ones or whoever it might be throughout these down times because, if I didn't go on vacation, I was just stuck at home all weekend. Thinking, about you know, it. thinking about thinking, it, yeah. you know, it was a good way for me to to get to get out of Pittsburgh, be able to go somewhere else, have a good time during that downtime. Mm-hmm. So it was still beneficial for me to go there, even though the whole purpose was for me to go out there and celebrate and have a good time, right? Um, which. It wasn't a celebration, it was just more of a vacation than it was a celebration, which we all need, regardless if you're going through cancer or not. Everybody needs to have A a, a little downtime of vacation, regardless if it's at home or if it's outside of their home.
0: Right. I mean, just enjoy the day. I just had something on about take a day for yourself. Self-care is so important, and we're, as Americans, we run, 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 and we work, 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 and, you know, sometimes we don't have that hour or two hours or even a day to just take that day to relax. But would you suggest, Matt, to get a second opinion?
1: A uh, second opinion would be good, absolutely. Um, it, it, would, it wouldn't hurt because there are different therapies that are out there. I was told about a thing called a nano knife, which I still don't know what the heck it is, but sounds like it's some sort of knife that goes that goes through you, that it's like an outpatient procedure or something like that. I've never many, heard of that. Yeah, neither did I. Right. Um, this was. <laughs> that this
0: doesn't was, sound like you know a knife inside you. <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: Yeah. So it was it was like one of those kind of things that, um, you know. <laughs> Because of me getting my, my my story out to other people that I that I played hockey with and people that I work with was somebody I played hockey with, his uncle got that procedure, and that's how he told me about it. Oh. And I got connected with him. And then one of my best friends that See, I went to college talking with talking about it exactly, just talking about it. And one of my best friends, uh, his mom, uh, went through the same process as well. She was kind of my mentor, mm-hmm. and she was the one that was there every single time to make sure after every. You know, chemotherapy after my surgery, she was following up with me all the time and she was able to explain to me different things that help with her or some of the things to look out for. So it's always good to have somebody else that's overseeing the situation and knowing what's going on. So I kept in contact with her, which was awesome because she went through the same, very similar thing that I did, right? Right. That's why I think it's very important to get as many people involved as possible that is aware of the situation and get intel as possible, but not too much. Uh, because if you have too much, you might be a little bit overwhelmed, right? You know, what I mean, mean
0: yeah. And any kind of surgery or anything that you go through, sometimes everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different journey with what they're going through. You know, so you found out that you were cancer-free. I mean, I'm sure you were just you and your wife were just like, oh my, you know, it's gone. Now, how often did you have to go get checked up?
1: So it's yeah. it was once it was uh, once a year I had to get I had to get r- routine colonoscopies. At that point, everything turned out good, and then after my tenth year. Um, I was considered in remission and that was this past year so from nice. so or no it was uh, two years ago it congratulations COVID makes you the that time go
0: I know, know we old don't old COVID deep. kind of took it <laughs> that year away from us
1: <laughs> right so because of that I, I only go every, I go every three years then it's every five years and so forth that's um, awesome but yeah it's it's incredible but it, it's also very important to make sure that my story was, was shared throughout that, that first year of, of chemotherapy and, and, and surger- surgeries and things like that, the bumps in the road, things like that. The UPMC had a, a thing called a care page that oh. was very important in my life. So care pages, and that was one of my seven steps um, of beating cancer, and that is subscribing to some sort of online tool. We had, we had Facebook. We also have...
0: So there was like a group of people that...
1: That could subscribe on there, and they get emails every single time something came up. And it's very important because, man, that very first time I got diagnosed with cancer and other people found out about it, I got... 16,000 phone calls and texts and it was overwhelming <gasps> to be able to explain my story over and over oh and over gosh. again. And, let me, and it eats at your head. It, it just totally eats at you just by saying it over and over again. Right. So I I came down with a theory of just tell your your significant other and your closest individuals in your circle of, of uh your close network, right. which is about ten people, right? right? If you tell your story to ten people and be done with it, and then just share that information online, right? And then have somebody that's a focal point. My wife was a focal point. My mom was a focal point, and one of my good friends um, was a focal point that people can call on and ask questions, so right. they don't have to ask me all the time. And then they got the information to uh, to go online and see where where they're going.
0: And, well, thank God you documented it. Yeah,
1: and I have a book that shows every all the comments. It's almost like a Facebook for UPMC is what it yeah. was. That showed all the different posts that I've had and every single comment that happened. And my wife made a book uh, of all the different comments. And I have it to this day. That's amazing. So
0: it's overwhelming too. It, it is, <laughs> but it's you know you're a champion, and people want to know how, what did you do? How did you do it? You right. know they want to know your story, and that's why I'm so glad that we have you telling us your story because it's important you just don't know who else is going through this sure that might need some advice or an encouragement or just say you know what he had the attitude he documented it he, you know did a lot of research and made sure that he was at the right place at the right time to go through this
1: exactly exactly it. so
0: what are you doing today now what So so I'm in the health
1: field, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's only fitting for me in the health field. So another very complex thing about the health field is is billing and health insurance in general. Um, So anytime you go to the doctor, go to the hospital, everybody gets a bill for it, right? Oh, yeah. They have no idea what that bill looks like, so I'm the expert when it comes to employee benefits to make sure that that every employer has the right benefits for their type of employees. And there's many, many, many different plans that are out there, many different types of plans, many different carriers. And there's not a one-size-fits-all there, and I'm the expert when it comes to that.
0: That's excellent. (laughs) See, and you know, because you've been through some stuff.
1: Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Oh, Matt, See, I I love that you shared your story with me. I love that what you're doing now is helping other people as well. And that's what the the world is about. I mean, we go through a lot of ups and downs, and if we can just share just a little bit of what we've gone through to just help one person or somebody, a, a bunch of people, like that's I give you a lot of credit, a lot I of courage. Thank you. A lot of courage to do something like that. And your wife, too, I mean, with what she, you know, sometimes when you're the person who sees this person going through this rough road, it's hard for you to sit back and be like, what can I do? What do I do? Like, you know, you don't know what to do, how to help.
1: And let's talk about that. It's way worse on the caregiver. No, I should say way worse. It's sometimes worse for the caregiver than it is the person that actually has, the health issue right. because that person is constantly worrying about it. Uh, one, one quick story I'll, I'll share is that um, whenever I left uh, the the hospital, I went to a, a, an anesthesia or an oncologist. I get anesthesia on oncologist. <laughs> That's
0: okay. it's I can't a, even... it's a It's a long word, right?
1: <laughs> so, I went to an oncologist right over here in in, uh, in Peters Township, and, and this individual um, was having a bad day or something. And, and I'll never forget. Oh, um, it was I like remember you
0: telling me this. It was like
1: 4 or 5 o'clock in, in, the, in the afternoon. Oh, boy. And we're asking him a lot of questions because, you know, we're, we have no idea what's going on, what, mm-hmm. what, what we're supposed to do, and that kind of thing. And he goes, uh, or he's like, all right, that's it's, it's a big deal. It's it's a big problem. We have stage four colon cancer. You have an eight percent chance of living.
0: <laughs> Wait, who that? Was so
1: sad. And everything just stopped. And my wife and I looked at each other. We go, what?
0: Is this Did a joke? Like, is this guy um, a joke?
1: And and everything just like just got really really serious at that point. Eight <gasps> percent chance of living. He said.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: And, and uh, so. He's the, he was no longer our uh, anesthesiologist uh, we no that was thank another you. reason why we got out of UPMC right yes. uh, had, that was that was, uh, that was right before I talked to my, my cousin that's uh, one of the lead uh, talk about anesthesiologist bedside
0: but. manner I mean come on so uh, I mean and here's the thing you every profession I'm sure it's really hard for doctors and nurses and in the health field to tell someone that they are going through cancer or they have cancer but there's a way to talk to somebody the patient. Because you think about like put yourself in their position when you see that they have this aggressive cancer that's already in stage four, kind of like ease their minds that we can do this. You know, I, no matter what, don't say, "Oh, this is bad. You only got eight percent." I mean, that's that's just not how you
1: right. talk to people. Exactly. And who knows? He might he could have been having a bad day. Like I said, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, it's very important to know that you have to do your research and make sure that you're getting the right care because there are a lot of doctors that are out there there's a lot of different hospitals that are out there right. here in Pittsburgh we have we have two really good ones oh, yeah. but you know there's there's depending on what kind of Situation that you're in it's very good to do very important to not only do your own research but also defer to a subject matter expert that kind of knows that information I was very fortunate that my cousin that lived right around the corner that that can help me out oh yeah absolutely if it wasn't for Aaron it wasn't I don't know where I'd be right now
0: you have to feel comfortable with your doctor you have to know that this person is in your corner as well yeah you know what I mean absolutely that, that brings you more comfort and You know, going through something That's what's
1: tough because some of the good doctors are like, they don't have the good bedside manner and they don't know if they're... But they're good. But they're good, yeah. (laughs) So you kind of have to make sure you feel all that stuff out. But you can have somebody that has like the incredible bedside manner, but they stink. Oh, yeah. They're like, ah,
0: how you doing? Yeah. No, uh -uh. we don't want to hear all this like pat you on the back and tell you everything's going to be okay. No, you want somebody who's going to tell you this is what we need to do. We're going to be able to beat this and... Kill this and get this out of your body. Yep,
1: yeah. and it worked. And it worked out great because I, I wish I would have got the surgery done immediately, so I don't have to worry about you know waiting. But that's just what they wanted to do, and it ended up if I didn't have that one you know blockage, I never would have got got one I. Or I don't think I never would be where I'm at today if it wasn't for that that issue that I had initially. Right. So. Uh, and I'm just glad I was in the right the right place at the right time.
0: Everything happens for a reason. That's what Everything I Everything
1: happens say. for a reason. That's right. I'm Amen so, to that. I am
0: so <laughs> glad I got to meet you at that networking group. And I'm so glad that you shared your story with my listeners. Matt, I mean, I just hope that, yeah, that this reaches other people out there that are going through something like this. Or younger people that, you know, you got symptoms, go to the doctor's. You know, just because you're younger doesn't mean you're not going to get something.
1: Yeah, and one thing I forgot to mention is I was carrying up Christmas decorations. I got lightheaded, which was after me getting, you know, tired from out in the hockey rink, and my wife thought I was trying to get out of, you know, hanging up Christmas decorations. <laughs> uh, you know, come on, Griswold. Just some, right, exactly. That's exactly what she told me. She goes, come on, Griswold. Right? Get
0: those lights out there.
1: So it, it's just small little things like that. Yes. It could be anything on your body that looks different. Mm-hmm. Go get it checked out. Early detection is key. Yes. And, if if you turn your head to something like that, you have to kind of stop and be able to to, to take care of something like that, especially if it's health-related, because right. it's only going to get worse. It's not going to get
0: better. Right. But you first. You Absolutely. Put your health first. Oh. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. Thank you so much for being on Spill With Me, Jenny D, Matt.
1: You got it. My pleasure.
0: Take care. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.